You're listening to Ovary Acting, a podcast about periods and living life to the fullest with endometriosis. Oh, and by the way, you're not overreacting. On today's episode, I'm catching up with Miranda Burns and Tristan Hall, the creators of Test Tube Baby Podcast, a series documenting their own IVF journey. I'm so excited for you to hear what this wonderful couple have to say and just so grateful they were willing to share their experience with us all. It's worth saying that this episode includes conversations about infertility, miscarriage and pregnancy. We also talk about work and managing chronic pain conditions on air as Miranda and I are both radio presenters. So there's a lot to unpack. Let's get into it. Hi, I am Miranda Burns. I am 27 and over there is... Tristan Hall, I am 23. Yeah, and together we have created Test Tube Baby Podcast, a podcast that follows our journey with IVF. And it's it's brilliant, by the way, guys. I love the podcast. Oh, thank you. And Tristan, as well, I've met Miranda um, before, one only once in real life, I think, Miranda, a photo shoot. So yeah. very, very different kind of scenario. How glamorous. I oh, know, I know, doesn't it sound good? <laughs> you looked phenomenal. I remember being like, oh my God, this woman, she's beautiful. No, and you just had the best energy and warmth about you. No, Miranda, I was. Well, I literally said to about everyone that day, I was like, I feel like a competition winner. This is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I got off the plane in the big city with my little case. <laughs> Honestly, I look back on that day and I just cringe. But yeah, so we, we have met before and then our paths have crossed. Actually, I think you're one of the people in my life that I would say is like a case of serendipity, the way that we've ended up being so mm-hmm. intertwined in different ways because we work in the same company for the same station yeah. and um, have the same... Well, our, our stories are actually quite strikingly similar in a lot of ways, especially your early um, diagnosis and, and that sort of stuff. So it's really strange that we've ended up kind of on the same path in that way. I know. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're so right. I, I almost felt, this is going to sound incredibly cheesy, but I don't care about going there. I felt like I knew you before yeah. I like properly knew you. I remember um, stalking your Twitter <laughs> before I met you at ah, this photo Yes, shoot. the Taylor Swift fan like, page. <laughs> well, I was, just, I was just like, this girl's great. I just, I really like her and we have so much in common and that's really strange. And, yeah. and then we, I met you and I said, like, oh, well, she's warm and she's lovely and she's just, you know, a great person, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yeah, then the similarities just became so, so obvious and it became yeah. really weird. And like, you know all about Katie J, don't you, Tris? Oh, I, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, Katie J, Katie J. But this is weird because I feel now after listening to the podcast that I know all about you as well, Tristan. Because, I mean, it really oh. is. Oh, no. no, but it's brilliant. I mean, oh, you know that way when people say, oh, you're, you know, when you're, you're listening to a podcast walking down the street and you start smiling and they're like, oh, what do you listen to? Well, I've had that with your podcast, but I've also had moments where I must have just looked like so concerned, Miranda injecting herself. <laughs> <laughs> Just walking down the street like, oh no, <laughs> she's going to be okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's such an intimate look at the process that you're going through, which is so powerful. And I, I, I'll i get on to, we can get on to the podcast kind of and your IVF journey um, a little bit later on. But I think it's really interesting, Miranda, from what I know about you, um, that you were like a little bit more reluctant to kind of open up about your diagnosis in the beginning to now yeah. flash forward to being, you know, an ambassador for Endometriosis UK you know, hosting this brilliant podcast that is so kind of open and, and sharing such intimate details. Like, mm. can you kind of talk to me about that, that that journey from being, you know, like a little bit more reserved about it um, and maybe just kind of yeah. keeping it to yourself to, to now just saying, 
you know what? Sack this. I'm going to share what I know and help people. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I I kind of gave myself an absolute baptism of fire because I went from zero to 100, yeah. literally overnight. So as a person that people close to me will say that um, I wear my heart on my sleeve, I was very open. People in my inner circles knew what was going on. And my mum, God bless her, uh, carried me through <laughs> almost physically a lot of really dark, awful years when I didn't know what was going on and uh, the wider world didn't realise that I had a problem and I was putting on a brave face and you know I was saying I was saying yes to things that maybe I shouldn't have been saying yes to because you know, I, I, I didn't want to like I almost didn't want to admit to the wider world that perhaps there was something more serious going on under the surface because I didn't want it to become like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, the naivety of that is <laughs> ridiculous because I... what in reality, yeah, you know, what in reality was happening is I would say be it a shift at work. This is before I did radio. This was when I was working at a cinema and I, I was in hell. I was just feeling awful. And I would come home and I would literally put the key through the front door, walk through the front door, shut it and burst into tears and then be like, mommy, <laughs> you can't, you can't function like that. Now, when it came to my mental health and things that were going on, sort of uh, relationships and friendships and all this kind of stuff um I was always talking to my mum about it and the same with my health like I just chatted 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 and I personally believe that talking is therapy um and I always knew that I was going to be more open about all my women's health struggles I just didn't know exactly when I made myself a promise I promised myself I would start talking about this because I was sure there were going to be other people out there and I wanted I mean I wanted to meet them but I wanted to help them as well because maybe I knew something that could yeah. I don't know help anyone anyone desperately but just sharing um, your story is so powerful Miranda and that's what kind of learning along the way like that you you you'll have had moments yourself where you've read someone's story or you've spoken to someone and, it, and it's helped you so yeah oh that, well that's the other thing yeah so I met a girl at work who was diagnosed with endometriosis and this is kind of before that I fully this is before my laparoscopy and before right. I fully understood what was going on and it's so interesting she kept saying to me she's like Miranda I think you have endo like I think you have endo I'm so sure you have endo and I was like oh I don't know something's seriously wrong I'm, I'm definitely not happy um and then I did have my lap and then we got the diagnosis but I still I sat on this information for another my lap was tweaked, so a year and a half, I think it was. And in that time, I met you, Tristan. Then I came along, yeah. Because yeah. when I first met you, you never told me. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, that so, was something that... Yeah, I heard this in the yeah, podcast as well, because you go into this, don't you? And it's just fascinating. T yeah. Tell me again, and for, for everyone that hasn't maybe heard. Well, <laughs> I tried to hide it from you for about two and a half months. Yeah, I was something was wrong. So I, 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 was, know, yeah, I yeah. know, I know, I know. It was, it was strange. <laughs> I... You gave me enough information yeah. that you were comfortable giving me. I mean, you knew that, let, let, let's get straight to the point, you knew that sex was, like, yeah. painful. That you had, you had to learn that quite yeah. early on. Um, and you knew that... I, I hid I hid a lot from you though like I I hid my fatigue from you because like that's yeah. that's one of the things I struggle most with actually I get really really seriously tired yeah. like go to bed tired wake up tired and I don't know how I coped but for like two months I just gave you like a hundred percent of myself but then like the sort of analogy of walking through the front door after the work shift and bursting into tears it came to a head one day and I, I, I everything bubbled over the surface and I kind of opened up my heart to you 
I mean, t- take it away, Tris. You bore witness to this. We were sat on the sofa in my old Southampton flat, well, weren't we? I don't know how it came up in conversation. I, I think, think we, I was having we flare were talking, up, and, yeah, it? and you were having like a, a, a difficult pain day, and I think it came to this moment where you, you know, you just decided to tell me, and and after everything you said to me before about how you've been feeling and stuff because I knew the kind of the symptoms and things but I didn't know what the issue was had you, had you googled any of the symptoms was. that she'd been giving you were you trying to kind of piece it together yourself or was she hiding it that well kind of there were a lot of things a that I didn't bit. know about but yeah. I, I had an idea yeah. um and I, I grew up with two sisters so uh, <laughs> women, women's health is like I, I have a, an overly you're very yeah. attuned and sensitive <laughs> to things. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah, I was kind of going over things. And then you told me, and I, I said to you, I was like, you know, it's not, I know this is a huge part of your life, but it doesn't change anything with us. Mm. Like, I know you've been scared to tell me, I know you've been scared to talk about this, but for me, it wasn't a, a big deal to, to kind of share this information with me. I know that it was, it was a, a big thing for us and, yeah. and it was huge for you to kind of open yourself up to me in that way. So it's like, I knew deep down that you weren't going to run away. I think I was just scared that once I told you that was it, like it, I already knew that we were going to be together forever. I just was like, you're the one, <laughs> as cringe, but you are the one. So that wasn't necessarily a concern. It was more just, oh, we've got something so perfect. And I don't, I like, I I felt let down by my body at this point. And I was like, I don't want to put this weight on you as well. Foolishly. I mean, I should have done it earlier because you've been absolutely bloody brilliant and you've helped me through so much. But at the time, um, that was just my kind of confused logic. And anyway, fast forward six months, um, Tris just being so supportive gave me the confidence to finally talk about it openly and I remember sharing this Instagram post um it was a photo from my first lap that my mum had taken I think and I was doing like a peace sign or something yeah I know the one yeah (laughs) yeah you know the one um and I just like wrote this whole spiel which I'd sent in drafts to you and my mum previously saying is this okay and they're like it's perfect just post it just post it and I yeah I, I hit post and it was the most terrifying but liberating moment and I've never looked back because since then I have met so many inspiring incredible people I've learned so much like honestly my knowledge has come on in leaps and bounds so there's so much that we don't still know but there's so much that I've been fortunate enough to absorb because I've been open about it and there have been uh sort of yeah darker days where I have now been able to go to my little like, like my little Instagram family community. Of, like, yeah exactly the yeah exactly yeah 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 and they they can they really help they, they they drag you up and they help they sort of normalize what you're going through so you don't feel like the abnormal person like it's okay yeah. other people are experiencing this it's just such a lovely testament to your relationship that kind of you opening up about everything that was, you know, you'd been suppressing or kind of keeping to yourself and feeling possibly quite confused about that meeting Tristan mm. and you opening up about that went hand in hand. It's such a lovely kind of way to start. <laughs> like, I just think it's beautiful because actually, I mean, you know, a lot of the times, you know, talking about, I don't know why I felt that anxiety about opening up to Tristan and, and telling him this at the start because it, because it went great. Mm. Um, you know, I understand that anxiety on such a level. It's such yeah. a difficult thing. It's it, it's a big test as well. Like, I mean, I've been in, I was in a relationship when I got my diagnosis and then I've been, you know, I'm seeing someone new now and it's a whole process really just laying your cards on the table and saying, I might have to have an operation yeah. really soon. Are you going to be okay with that? And I think it takes a lot of kind of, well, it's got to be, it's got to be right. Uh, yes. Otherwise yeah, yeah, you're yeah. better off doing it on your own otherwise, really. 
So that's yeah. that's really hard. So for you to be in that situation, um, and and it and it goes so beautifully, it's wonderful. But you know, so many people listening, or so many people will have been in a situation where they're like, you know, maybe they know it's not the right situation, and they're scared to open up, and and that's a really isolating and frightening position to be in. It is. It's terrifying, actually. It's funny. I, my relationship prior to um, Tristan, perfectly nice guy, you know, really lovely, but just didn't get it just didn't get it and because uh, it, it comes naturally to some people and that's not yeah. a criticism on him whatsoever some people are instinctively like kind of I don't want to use the word like caregivers because that's not your role Tris but like you are so uh considerate and intuitive and just like helpful and you kind of catch things before they even become a, a problem so little stuff like um Tris will like always carry heavy bags for example I mean it's just a really small example but you won't let me pick anything heavy up because you don't want to end up hurting my ovaries at the moment which have been swollen for what feels like forever <laughs> but all this, all this kind of stuff um you you kind of preempt it and so that I think that's just it that's just a god-given gift that's just something that you were born with or I think the word is intuitive and that kind of intuitive love is is something so special and it's it's lovely I actually watched a YouTube video you guys did and obviously listening to podcasts talking about Tristan all the things that you do as a partner to help Miranda mentioned the shopping bags what's your advice basically is my question (laughs) I think early on yeah I think there were there were things I had to learn yeah um Mm -hmm. because like I said two months into the relationship Miranda told me about endo and even then I was still kind of unsure about what it was and anything yeah. to do with it because there is so much that people say you know give you kind of the definition of endo and that is such a small part of what endo is and there's all this other stuff that comes with it, like for you the fatigue yeah and that was the biggest thing for me to learn it was learning these little things about the way that you deal with endo mm-hmm. that meant I had to, to kind of be helpful in different ways so yeah like the carrying of shopping stuff and it's it's yeah it's being preemptive so you learn from things going wrong so I mean, time, I, I, yeah. think so. I, I have, I'm really susceptible to infections. Like I, I'm, I'm always struggling with like some form of cystitis, whatever it, you know, be yeah, minimal. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah that's, just, that's just like part and parcel. Um, and you, Tris, like un- unlike other people who might be like, oh, I'm just so sorry you're having a rough day. You'll research. That's one of the things you do. You look, yeah. you, you desperately try to find something that can help. And it works because you have found things that have helped me. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, and then it's, yeah, it's educating yourself. For me, that was the kind of the big thing is going out of your way to, you know, you, you can look at this, you know, any issues that you're having any one day and you can try and solve them. But the best thing to do is just to research and to find out tangible things you can do or, you know, say, for example, you're having a really rough time with your pain. Like you're not going to want to sit there and look for consultants or mm-hmm. doctors that will help you. So it's you know, just going online and finding people who are recommended and, and looking at different avenues and saying, OK, you know, we're trying to tie together different problems and and yeah like I say if you're having a difficult day that's the last thing you're going to want to do so it's being that second person who is able to to give that hand in any way that you can yeah it's I think it's what it's like approaching it as a team isn't it and mm. on the days where I'm kind of out of action Tris like p- picks it up and you you I, d- I mean I don't want to give you a big head but you're one of these people where like nothing is too much and if if I'm feeling rough we'll cancel plans and we have cancelled plans and if I'm feeling rough you'll drive me to work so I don't have to drive myself to work and just just little things like that so 
I think it can be learned. I think part of it is just yeah. you. I think you are a, a sort of sensitive, you're like a, a, aware of um, other people and how they feel as a person just naturally. But yeah, like you said, like the research thing, like the putting yourself in someone else's shoes, you do that a lot. You try and understand. Mm. I mean, and that's, that's just a good life skill in general. Yeah. And then mind who you're in a relationship with. But I think that it, it's just lovely when, you know, as you said, Tristan, like if, if Miranda is kind of struggling right out for the count for you to be able to be proactive and do the things that are going to help her when she's maybe not able to think about that. That is so powerful and such a, you know, it's just, it's just wonderful. I mean, all you really want sometimes when you're in pain is someone to fetch you a hot water bottle right now <laughs> and just tell you it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, it can be simple things or it, or it can be bigger down the line, but it's just, yeah, you can't under underestimate how, how powerful that is. It's, it's partly, I think, why I ended up talking about it as well after having met you because I always knew that I was going to but like when I had you by my side I sort of felt empowered I was like I can take on the world like you know if this guy says I can then like I can do this and it, it boosted my confidence so that was your behavior towards everything that I was struggling with made yeah like gave me gave me the confidence to talk more openly about it that's so lovely and it's it's a really good <laughs> sign for the kind of next journey that you're on isn't it I mean come on <gasps> oh! these are all the qualities <laughs> these are all the qualities that you want in the father of your child right yes say it how it is say it how it is Katie oh my god <laughs> I mean this is just so exciting so so excited for both of you every time you post an update I just like I have to stop what I'm doing and just go oh my gosh look uh, <laughs> it is and it's and thank you so much for taking us on that journey with you because it was a really brave thing to do after um you, you know what you experienced last year I don't know if you feel comfortable talking yeah. about it but is no of course no I think yeah because we shared well because I, I shared on my Instagram um so much in in doing so whether we wanted me to or not shared Tristan's <laughs> life as well you know we just became very open yeah. um it felt it felt like the logical thing to do to be open about so we, we had a miscarriage we uh God, we need to go back to the beginning it's quite long so we were diagnosed infertile so this was when I was 25 and you were 21 is that right we were, we were, 22. We were young we were young yeah, when this happened ago. I know yeah it was, a while ago. it was really early on in the relationship like yeah. I found out about endo yeah so two months into it and then maybe four and a half months later yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we were di- well we had your diagnosis um after your AMH test yeah and then I was then had I had then I then had my diagnosis so really quickly after we first got together we both found out there were issues and we were kind of given this option that was you know you need to act now yeah and you know when you're six months into a relationship you know we both say ourselves that we were so set up and so happy and so sure of this relationship but you can't help but kind of look at it now and think, oh my God, like we were so early well, on. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I get on that. I mean, going from what we've, we've touched on before, like it, it, it doesn't, I mean, the time, it doesn't really matter, but I find it interesting because I went for a fertility appointment when I was in a three-year relationship and I lived with a guy and they were like, oh, embryos. And I was like, nope, no, sorry, goodbye. <laughs> so I find it really interesting that like kind of when you know, you know sort of thing because yeah. confronted with a similar situation, I was like, oh no. I think I got a couple of years. I'll just see you later, you know. And, then, <laughs> uh, and so I find yeah. it really interesting because I feel like I know what it felt like to be in that chair given that same choice and, you know, mm-hmm. doing the opposite kind of thing. Oh, um, it's terrifying. It's heavy. But yeah, yeah. It's, you need to hear the truth. 
Well, and, and, and you were confronted with, with quite a lot to process, really. A set of cards that, I mean, no one was predicting, I suppose, when you went in. Yeah, I think for me, because we had the diagnosis from you, mm, me yeah. going in and doing my, my, my test was a formality. Yeah, that was, exactly. That was, you know, a yeah. box-ticking exercise. So even within the kind of the, the medical sphere, that was how, how it was treated. It was like, yeah. okay, Tristan, come and do your sample and then we'll get on with, you know, and only then when they realised, oh, wow, yeah, there's also an issue there, yeah. um, did we have to kind of look at it as a, as a couple thing. But obviously we're always going it together. But oh, yeah. it was that dual factor infertility that actually isn't as rare as some people might think. Like male infertility is so high now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and yeah. if there's a prediction or something. But oh, by, it's, I don't want to scare like, anyone. By 2050, it'll be, you know, it'll, it's going to go downhill. I think it's, you know, it's due to all sorts of different things. Yeah, so just I don't want to get too hippie into it. Yeah, factors in modern life. But, you can do some research if you're interested. It's fascinating and really scary. Yeah, but like, yeah, so that was that was always kind of my, my thought that it was just this kind of one-sided thing. But coming into yeah. it as a, as a couple with it, actually, in, in the same time as it was unpleasant for both of us having these issues it kind of brought us closer together knowing yeah. that it's not just you know because when it's one person it's easy to look at it and think oh it's all me it's my it's my fault I'm the problem well but and you put that blame on yourself or you torture yourself with yeah. it, even though you you know even though you have the most supportive system in the world it's human nature mm-hmm. isn't it so mm. yeah 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 so it was it, yeah it was eye-opening I think we yeah. both were yeah I think I, I think there is an inherent unfortunate sexism within the most people that walk on this planet and I don't I don't think it matters whether you're I don't, I don't think it matters who you are or where you're where you're from I, I believe that it's there because I have been treated appallingly by female doctors and it's not like yeah exactly it goes both ways it goes both ways yeah. and so I guess we were just a walking example of that we just were like oh Miranda has the problems well Trish is going to be absolutely fine we know because he's a bloke well no that's not that's not the case and so we decided really early on that as well as talking about my problems, we we're going to start talking about Tristan's because yeah, it is still taboo and people aren't interested in hearing about like the sperm tests and that side of things. But it, it, I'm sorry, it, it's 50, 50. It takes, you know, a sperm and an egg, you know, to make a baby. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was not what we expected, but for me personally, uh, it wasn't a relief because it was awful news, <laughs> but like, it was nice to know that it was like, we were, we were really truly in this together. Yeah. And, and how did the process go from there then, from that moment where you, you were told uh, that there was going to be a little bit trickier than you thought? We then knew that Miranda had to have a laparoscopy. So uh, you had your lap, mm-hmm. uh, everything went fine with that. And then we well, I mean, everything went fine, but remember, he did the dye test on my tubes. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it wasn't. So the bar, the yeah. bar is slightly skewed, isn't it? It's like, everything's fine, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know all these cis, fallopian fine. tubes are twisted drama you know what but that's 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 yeah that's fine that's normal <laughs> yeah, for me. No. yeah so, exactly. yeah, yeah. so no yeah, we did a yeah i had a basically i had like a leaking cyst on i can't remember which ovary it was now oh. one of the ovaries and it had like burst and it was corrosive and it was awful and i was just in constant pain so that was what that laparoscopy initially was for but also whilst um my surgeon was in there he said i want to i want to look at your fallopian tubes properly because in your first lap, they were crushed, was the word that he used, from like adhesions and scar tissue. 
Um, and he said, I, I need to have another look at these to see if the sort of cilia inside have managed to pop back up. So he did a dye test where you pour, well, I don't know if you pour, I don't know how it works, but you put dye from one end of the tube to the other and you see if it gets through and then yeah. got through. So I got the diagnosis of blocked fallopian tubes. Um, so that was the laparoscopy news combined with your sperm test and then my AMH test, which was uh, low for my age so at the time I can't remember how old it was I was like 25 something like that um, it was 4.7 and it's meant to be around 30 that's the kind of figure that they use um, and yeah but it's about, told it's about the quality not the quantity isn't it that's the thing I think those numbers yeah. can be quite oh. scary but you know mm-hmm. oh, yeah absolutely We've yeah. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely but we yeah we, we got given this diagnosis of medically infertile I still remember him saying he was like like sort of physically, medically, it's impossible for you guys to naturally get pregnant. <laughs> it's pretty scary. Yeah. And then, so we were supposed to start IVF and this was then in the January of 2020. Obviously, everyone understands what happened in 2020 with yes. COVID and stuff. Yeah. Um, and sadly, that IVF was one of the things that got hit very early on um, and they couldn't risk all these people coming into the clinic so they cancelled all IVF treatments around the world. Oh and we, we said we were so lucky oh, because yeah. there were some poor couples who were in the middle of their cycle so when you do IVF you inject yourself with drugs you know how it works it stimulates your ovaries and you kind of at the end of it you get like a harvest of eggs that's what we decided to call it anyway our harvest of yeah. eggs um, and there were women who'd been injecting themselves for I don't know, two weeks, and then just got a phone call saying, we're so sorry, we can't do it. And all those eggs were lost. And my heart breaks for those couples. Like, I, I can't even fathom. We were literally right at the beginning. Like, we were waiting for my period to start, and that was the cue to start injecting. So we just missed that. So, yeah, that was that was fortunate. Yeah, we were gutted, weren't we? We were, we oh, were yeah. really upset because this was, like, our chance, and yeah. we knew there was no time to wait 12 months and do another test to see how your eggs were doing. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, we had to act now. And at this point, you know, obviously it was, was it March, April, 2020. So yeah. we were not sure how long the pandemic would last. Uh, obviously now yeah. you know, we're still in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, it was this massive thing that had just been lumped on us. And then on top of that, we then had COVID. So it was all canceled. And we were then told to just, you know, get on with our lives as normal mm-hmm. until we could go back in and do IVF. I mean, I don't at even know how you get your head around that. It's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, you, there's so much emotionally invested in IVF. Like, you can try and downplay it, but my God, like, it's really heavy. It's a heavy thing to go through and a lot rests on it, especially when you're told that, I hate the phrase, your biological clock, because there's something that feels inherently sexist about that. But yeah. unfortunately, mine was ticking. Like, they were like, you know, my, my consultant was brilliant and he was very honest. And he said, look, Miranda, I don't know whether um, your AMH drop happened just because of that cyst that burst and is corrosive, or whether it has been just been like on a steady trajectory downwards, downwards, downwards for years. And next year it's going to be even lower. So the clock was ticking. We were running out of time. But um, in what would have been a weirdly fortuitous situation, we managed to get pregnant naturally. And we, to this day, and our consultants says the same, have no idea how it happened because it was deemed medically impossible and he even used the word miracle didn't he he said it's a miracle and this is a scientist but he was like that was that's a miracle that's a miracle I don't know how that happened um and it's interesting because that pregnancy um I mean we've mentioned already it ended at 18 weeks but I we we were so happy 
we were terrified it was ectopic because obviously we've been told we, we've been told that my tubes were blocked so there was a high risk of that but we had an early scan and it wasn't ectopic and we just kept getting over like all these hurdles and like oh wow this is this is so like crazy but great and we're getting we're going we're getting our chance to have a baby and we got really invested in it and we started talking about names and like moving to a different house and like buying baby things doing and all stuff the things like that. That, that you you know that you should be able to do all the you yeah. know all the lovely oh. stuff planning all the wonderful things yeah yeah oh completely um and we told we told family and close friends didn't yeah we? we found out the gender oh yeah we, found we had gender. a gender reveal party like there were so many things that like you say you have every right to do when you're Absolutely. pregnant um but you know sadly like you say that ended at 18 weeks for us and i think for both of us you know that was like the worst thing that i have ever experienced in my whole awful. life i wouldn't wish it on anyone it was awful emotionally but like physically I think I was very I was very naive I, I didn't understand what a miscarriage at 18 weeks like physically is um and it's the term miscarriage yeah it's oh it's just it's, so it's really like belittling one. almost it's like it's not a miscarriage it's like well it, it um it's so hard any loss well it's a, a blan- loss. it's a blanket term isn't it and it doesn't go you yeah. know how can it possibly make sense of what happened to you you know yeah yeah yeah, sadly when you when you hear the term miscarriage you know even I'll say it myself before we had ours you know you you imagine something happening at you know four or five weeks early on yeah you just just don't notice and then you're told retrospectively so I mean that you know whenever it is a loss is a loss like you say it's always going to be difficult but for us you know when we had our daughter Ambly like we held her oh you know that was a part of our process was mm. was you know sitting with her for a whole day and and people don't see that side of it either I think that's people look at it and they think oh know they miscarried how sad you know awful which it is it's horrible but there's so many more levels to it yeah. that you don't see and don't understand unless you kind of are educated in it like you know mm. like you, we unfortunately found ourselves so yeah yeah it was really tough and you know we took some time out from from most things at that point didn't we we this is the other thing like we hadn't told anyone so our yeah. family knew and our close friends knew, um, but we hadn't told like the wider world. Like mo- most people didn't know at this point and we'd managed to hide it really well, which then meant we, we, we were supposed to be announcing it. And on the day that we were meant to be announcing it, we'd literally taken the photo that we were going to share of the pregnancy yeah. scan and my bump and us being like, yay. Um, and yeah, the following day, we had a scan which confirmed that it just like she was she's she's she was just basically dying oh it was the worst thing it was awful um and our whole world came crashing down and no one knew and that from coming from a couple who decided to share everything everything was awful was just like it was really hard I, i can't even put it into words it was really really difficult to go from talking so openly about something to then going through the most traumatic thing that either of us had ever been through and no one then knowing and then we had this awful decision of well do we ever tell people that we were pregnant at all like as far as the world's concerned yeah yeah Yeah, she she didn't happen which is so you know not I mean this is this is your daughter you know you held her like you've got to have that you've got to honor her and do all the things you that you do and which is so lovely Mm -hmm. and so sweet to see but I mean, I, I can't even imagine how um, 
it feels to relive that all the time but I think it's just so powerful that you do it for her I think it's pretty amazing actually both of you um what you're doing I'm just interrupting our chat briefly to let you know about something very exciting. Our friends at BU have offered a unique discount code for overreacting listeners. This will get you 10% off your first purchase of one of their amazing products. My favourite is their all-natural pain relief patch. I've been a subscriber for years now and the tingly goodness they release gets me through those high pain days. I love them, and I think you will too. Follow the link in my Instagram bio and use the code OVERREACTING for 10% off your first order. Let's get back to the chat. It's interesting the things that we do to kind of keep ourselves afloat. And I know, I, I know. Yeah. yeah, totally. I suppose, like, circling back to work stuff as well, I mean, you get it on a level that a lot of people don't get it. We come in, into the studio every day and putting on a big smiley face and being like oh what's little mix up to today oh, yeah, yeah. when you're you know uh. I mean a couple of weeks ago actually it was a month ago I'm back on the menopause injections now mm. and it was about a month ago I went in for a scan and they did this like Victorian torture procedure like they put a bucket down so I went in and oh I saw I went and I saw the bucket right and like a sheet of tarpaulin and I was like what <laughs> what's happening here is someone making a water slide like I was really <laughs> distressed and it was like up in the stirrups a hose you know they were looking at my side it was it was just awful and it was so painful and I was like what's happening no you know oh, no. I'm so sorry I mean it's just one of those things wasn't it I was like okay this is new. Let's but, go. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be one of those things. I, I, know. I literally posted this on Instagram last night that I find it really upsetting and uh, it makes me really angry that because you're born female, yeah. there's just kind of this like unwritten rule that it's acceptable to put you through humiliating and painful medical procedures. And that's just a part of being a woman, apparently. And that's not acceptable. And the coil had been having that fitted I was um I was under I was having my lap when I had mine fitted, so, was so I. I didn't experience yeah. it but it's a, it's a brilliant example of um having to go through something potentially that's going to give you PTSD afterwards because it can be so like excruciatingly painful Absolutely. well this um this was a procedure to check if the coil was in the right place because a week before uh an ultrasound technician told me that my coil had perforated my uterus and it, <gasps> and it hadn't but I had that for a week thinking that it oh had but then after that procedure which I agree with, I, I you know that was agony and that was them just having a look to see if the coil was in place so like mm-hmm. um I came into work and cried a lot in the bathroom and then came oh. through and saw my producer and and he was absolutely lovely you know kind of we, we we took we took an hour to sit and had a coffee and whatever and then it was like you see little Nas X wore a kilt today do you want to talk about no. <laughs> straight back to okay. the grind <laughs> so, you know that way you're like and because what we do is so like like light-hearted and that's the yeah. point we talk I, I talk about it sometimes on air but it's like that way you don't want to be a Debbie Downer one, especially when there's so much going on in the world that's so heavy right now. Um, mm-hmm. How do you, how did you deal with that, with with putting on the brave face and 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 also just being happy because you are in the job that you want. Like it's it's a dream, right? So it's like you can't you yeah. can't look at a dream in a negative way because you're like, oh, this is great. I'm doing what I've always wanted to do, but am I capable today? I don't know. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, will I have the answer? I'll let you know yeah. because I am still struggling through it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, so I did, I did breakfast radio for what was it? Seven months, six months. I can't remember. It wasn't too long. You hear people that literally do it for like 10 years. And I'm like, Oh, the hell the hell? Yeah. I, I, I did it for like six, seven months and it made me really ill. Um, I, I, I couldn't hack it. I was tired constantly. My skin got really bad. Like you could almost like see on my face how like poorly I was. Um, we listen back to audio now yeah. and you sound like a different person. Yeah. Really? You sound so unwell. Yeah. yeah. Like your throat's bad. Yeah. You, you're just tired. Obviously you're doing breakfast. You know, everyone mm. does breakfast. But like, and, and I, I, tired, it but really you were like extra. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so just as it happens, like my job ended up changing and I became a drive show presenter, which helped me so much because I don't know if I could have carried on doing breakfast hours for that long. Um, but when it comes to the day to day now and being positive, sometimes I'm not like sometimes I'm just not sometimes I'm not in it um and I I did like drama at uni and I did a lot of like acting when I was younger and I think yeah I think that helps honestly I think that helps because I can be sad so I, I do the travel as well I'm in a double header with a guy called Dave um and I can be sat just quietly sort of eyes to the floor listening to the ads and then as soon as that travel bed which is the music when the travel is about to begin as soon as that starts like I kind of like lift my head up and smile and I hadn't noticed that I was doing it and I clocked it the other day I was like oh my god Ryan, you do this every single time and I just like right let's have a look at the roads and I'm just like snap straight back into it um and to trick your body into <laughs> yeah literally yeah. and sometimes it works sometimes I've come home happier yeah yeah I I will say because I I obviously see everything goes behind the scenes yeah. right there's like behind the scenes is in being a producer in radio and there's behind the scenes is in being engaged someone yeah. who has endo who's a presenter <laughs> yeah. and you see everything so I know when you're going to work how you're feeling mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how well you mask it on air Oh, oh my you. goodness it's it, you could not tell there was anything going on mm. even when there's days where you've had really bad news I remember when we had our we had our miscarriage oh, um, yeah. we had a heavy bleed um when we were away on holiday oh, yeah. with my family and, and then oh, once yeah, again sorry. when we were away with um so when you were on air yeah and I either had to come and drive and pick you up in the middle of a show yeah. to take you to hospital, but you continued with the show until I arrived there. And I was listening to the show in the car on the way to get you. And it was like nothing had happened. Yeah. And I do not know anyone in, it was crazy. in radio, TV, or anyone who could have masked what you'd just been through, what you must have been thinking in your head, and then just go out there and, like you say, just, just chat about... Yeah. We, I, I, yeah so uh, we we were the show was literally about to start and it's like two we were like in the ads before we were taking over yeah um and I just felt this gush of blood and it soaked through my uh knickers and it soaked through my trousers and I like ran to the loo um and then like filled the toilet bowl and was like oh no oh no it's happening again I need to compose myself I'm literally about to go on air I can't like leave my co-presenter what, what do I do so I text my producer it, I either text or called you you started packing up stuff ready to go to her hospital um or to the maternity unit um and I carried on with the show for about 50 minutes and I I we were doing a competition called capital give me the cash oh, and I was no. like I need to record it so I just recorded it and I did and the travel and I was doing links and I just I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I did that, to be honest. Um, well, it's sheer professionalism, but I mean, it's it's just yeah. so kind. Of, it's almost harrowing, actually, to hear, you know, that you had to do you mm -hmm. had to do that 
you know, it's just awful. And I'm I'm so sorry that happened to you. Uh, you oh, know, Tr- okay. Tristan's right. It's, it's a it's a remarkable feat. I mean, if if it's ever you mean you're clearly meant to do what you do because to be able to be no. that good. At it, no, but seriously, I mean, that capital gave me the cash is a nightmare enough. It, I, yeah, it, it, it plays in my dreams. Like honestly, it's just constant. It's, oh. we've been doing it for almost two years. It, I know. Oh. <laughs> It never ends. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Maybe that's why I could do it, though, because I was like, I could do this in my sleep, so yeah. just, just give me the script, I'll say it. Don't say um, hello, was... just scream. Yeah. I'm just going to scream. Sorry, I'm just going to go and scream. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No. It was a, I mean, that, that, was, that, that, was was, that was bad. There was another one, though. Okay, so this is awful. I used to do um, network. So I, I currently am a presenter on Capital South Coast. Um, so KJ, you're up in Scotland. I'm yeah. down on the south coast uh, in England, and I also used to do a Sunday night show, which was national, which went all across you know, everywhere. Um, and that was 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. And Tris used to come with me just because I didn't live near the studio, and he would just like drive me in and stuff. And we were in the car, and I was like, I something's up with my bladder. And we still don't to, to this day. No, I'm blaming Endo. Let me. I always. I, just, <laughs> I mean, it will have been. <laughs> yeah of course it will have been um and I was like something's really up with my bladder and I was like this doesn't even feel quite like a UTI this is something else this is really bad and I was in the car and I started crying in the car because I was in pain and I was uncomfortable and I was just like this is awful something bad is happening um and we got into work and it was like an hour and a half of my show and I was like it's too tight I was like we can't I can't get replacement and it's a Sunday night everyone's in bed like yeah I just have to do this show so three hour show and uh it it like bar the miscarriage it was one of the worst like nights of my life because I was doing links so I was talking on air and then I was <laughs> sounds so dramatic but it's true I was walking into the corner of the studio where there were no cameras because there's loads of cameras in those London studios of course I, Shit, I never corner. even thought about that yeah 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 when, when no one could see me and crying in the corner and Tris was sat in the studio with me. Thank God you'd come with me that day. Um, and was watching the songs and was like, okay, you have like two and a half minutes left. And I was composing myself and then sitting back down in the chair and doing the link and then getting up and going into the corner and crying in the corner. I was running back and forth between oh like the studio and the toilet. I like blood. I was just like, like I, there was blood pouring out of me. It was, it was awful. It was absolute hell. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how we got through it. I don't know how we got through it. I just I have no idea but we did yeah um it was yeah I mean I've I've seen you you know presenting in, in after flare-ups and I've seen you like you said with the miscarriage and you did that but to be stood in a studio in tears yeah 30 seconds later sitting in a chair doing links yeah and and staying composed and it was literally like that mic would go up and you would just switch and you could not tell anything was wrong even just looking at you and then you'd hit the song and it would be you know, back and back start, before, crying, start again. crying again. It was, it was and it was a, it was a hellish three hours. Yeah. It was, but you did it. And I mean, obviously had that come on earlier on in, in the day. Oh, there's no way I would, have, no, I would have got cover. I wouldn't have got cover. I wouldn't have done it. But like, I, yeah, you have a show, you're a radio presenter. It's not kind of like another job where you can just sort of call someone up to cover you. Like, if, 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 if it's your show, like, you have to be on air. No one's going to play the songs for you. I had no choice. Um, 
so in answer to your question katie like i don't i, I don't know to be honest I, i'm still muddling through it and i have days where i'm lying on the sofa and i'm like i'm exhausted or i feel really sick or i like i i don't know if i can do it today and then i just drive to work and then i get in and then i just do it and then i come home and yeah i, I don't know is the answer um we're muddling through it but in the end I had to take a step back after the miscarriage and my health just deteriorating I was doing six shows a week and I was like I can't do this anymore I mean the schedule I I mentioned this before before we started you know properly recording the podcast but one of my Mm. first memories of of kind of you know I I listened to your Sunday show and one of my first memories (laughs) was you had done I can't remember what the schedule exactly was but you were on early breakfast or something and then you went and did you were doing like afternoons or drive in the same day in a different city. Like, yeah. And I was just like, this yeah. woman is <laughs> actually superwoman. And this was before I knew uh, the extent of what, I didn't think I even had a clue that you had endometriosis actually. I knew that we'd met and I went, oh, she's great. I really want to be- get to know her better. And then I, that's what I mean about yeah. serendip- serendipity because yeah. how could, it's so bizarre just how intertwined those things are and how- the similarities in our experience the fact that we're on the same network and the fact that we both have the same thing it's but just there's one in ten it's isn't it? so crazy it's, you know. i know yeah yeah well oh i think it's more i think it's more than that. i'm pretty sure if they did some yeah. of the research we'd like them to yeah 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 so yeah you were you were working some horrendous like time frames yeah it was i can tell you the hours actually yeah. it was um 4 a.m till 6 a.m in the london studios yeah um, and then it was 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. in the Southampton studio. Just describe how you would get to and from City Stoke. So, because this was this was the worst bit. I oh my goodness. I so yeah, do you yeah, remember? No. So, it's all, it's <laughs> no, all a blur. No, I was, was removed it. Then. I was on far too yeah. much cocodamol at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Work had booked you a hotel in London, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you had a hotel there. But you were staying in your hotel in London, getting up at you know half two half two to do the show at four in the morning Mm. doing the show going back to bed at six staying in bed until 10 10 a.m getting up having something to eat and then getting a train from london down to southampton down to the south coast Mm -hmm. and then doing your show then i then get a second train from southampton to that other little piddly station that i needed to go to and then i would walk from that station to the studio then you do your show yeah and then after that, sometimes you would go back to your Southampton flat and pick up some bits and yeah. then go up to London. Other times you would just go straight back up to London again. And you did that for an entire week. And then other times... twice as yeah, well, didn't I? Other times you'd be doing uh, the, the weekender as well. So you did a couple where you did a weekender off the back of it, I think, or before Yeah, it. yeah. There was, I did um, my uh, drive show, which is 4 to 7. Then I did a capital weekender, which was 1 till 5. Then I did another Capital Weekender, which was one till five. And then I did a Sunday night show, which was 10, 10 till one. Till and 1 then the following Monday, I, so the day after, you were then back in on drive, four yeah. to seven. What I have learned from this is that it's okay to say no. And it yeah. took me a really long time to learn that. But at the end of the day, your health is the most important thing. Because once that goes, like you, you, you don't have anything. Like your, your health is what you wake up with. It's what you go to bed with. It's, it's, it's you just like, it's so important. Yeah. And I was slowly killing myself and making what was already a bad situation 10 times worse. Yeah. Um, and we had so many conversations about it. And we realized that 
it, it's like it, it wasn't worth it anymore. I put in so many hours and I love my job. I'm so lucky. I'm a radio presenter. Like, yeah. what? That's so much fun. Um, but I, like my health was more important. And I was scared. We, I didn't know at this point about the fertility side of things. I hadn't been confirmed either way. And I was like, what if I'm doing really serious damage to myself? Um, and my immune system in general is terrible. Like I'm really susceptible to colds, throat problems, like infections, just everything. And so I was just like a, a, a walking hot mess. <laughs> and so I, I just, we had this whole conversation. We said, it's time, like it's time to just say, start saying no to things. Yeah. Um, I and I think that applies to everyone in any job. Like you don't have to say yes. It's such a powerful skill to learn, and and I'm, you know, again, I'm I'm with you with it taking a long time to get there, and I'm still kind of learning, and you know, I I, yeah. I think it comes from not wanting to let anybody down as well. Obviously, ambition, um, and yeah. you know, not wanting to be, um, I don't know, let not wanting to allow this to hold you back, and I think that that makes you yes. resilient and that makes you strong, but it also puts you in a position where you you go so far and then you crash, and then you berate yourself for that process again and it's like oh you know so the power of saying no is is incredible um and also just like gonna help you enjoy the job more because when you're imagine doing it when you're not totally fried I mean we've both got (laughs) fatigue is a big problem for both of us so it's chronic you know it's 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 a real awful thing the chronic fatigue is is I agree with you one of the most debilitating symptoms um so when you factor in that schedule which I can't even really fathom how you were doing that the only reason I get up that early (laughs) is and you know and and then do that whole thing as if I was going on holiday I mean really yeah, going to the yeah. airport. unless you're ending up in Disneyland what are you doing like no. <laughs> it's not worth it you do it to yourself <laughs> yeah I know yeah. I know it's not it's not good it's not healthy it's yeah, I, I also think that you could be the healthiest person in the world and not have endometriosis yeah. and try and take on a schedule like that and it's going to make you poorly so imagine when you've already got it not yeah. It, well, I mean, I'm glad that I did it. It's a bucket yeah. list. I ticked it off. It was fantastic and a privilege. But and I think that you know the company you work for were, were very helpful during it as well. Like yeah. they paid for your travel, they paid for hotels and stuff. So they did everything they could in the moment. But I think you know at the time, yes, you were open about your endo and stuff. People didn't really know the full extent of it, and people don't really understand the fatigue and things. And no. I think that you know now looking at it I'm sure that this is sort of thing that you know say you would also say no but yeah it's yeah people understand that you aren't able to to necessarily do these things without burning the candle at both ends as you were at the time that's one of the that's one of the uh, positives as well of of being open if anyone's listening to this and doesn't yet know whether they want to be open once you're open about something people have to be more understanding because they get it you're explaining it because otherwise people do just see what you want them to see and, and you know all along that yeah. way you're 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 like you still live in the dream but you know that whole process of like it's just such a gift this is so exciting it's brilliant and because you have that magical ability that Tristan spoke about earlier on where you just kind of can switch it on and you know even I, I could just have this vision of you doing the travel and just like looking down looking down because that's me and I love the travel because it's yeah. like it's like I know what I'm doing with this I don't really have to think creatively I can just get yeah, this yeah, yeah. Done. <laughs> but you know that that performance it you know it, it it's and it's it's not being false it's just what you need to do to be the best that you can be and, and get through it but when people mm-hmm. see that and they see you gorgeous smiling happy sounding amazing you know that's what they take away from it they're like ah oh, she's brilliant that's great yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not gonna you know see what what Tristan was seeing in that room when you were you know hiding from the cameras and, and going through that ordeal 
Um, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, completely. And it's, it's another reason why I try to be as candid as I can be on my social media and stuff, because I would hate I would really hate for anybody to uh, see what I'm doing um, and compare themselves and be like, oh, well, if she can do it, then why am I not doing it? I, I should suck up my bad pain days. Like, no, ab- ab- absolutely not. You need to do what's right for you. And like brutal honesty, I'm not coping. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not healthy and I'm not happy. Um, so yeah, we, we try and be as honest as we can, don't mm. we? And the podcast has been brilliant for that. And so, just um, speaking really candidly. Yeah. The, the podcast is, is honestly, I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. And I just, oh, I think, Katie. Oh, I really do. And I think, I think you're both brilliant. I think it's just so nice to, to document this journey. Even I thought that I knew heaps about IVF because I've got endo. So I've, I've spoken loads about it. You know, I, I understand the, the bare bones of it. But it's so interesting hearing what you guys have been going through recently and just like, I mean, I, I can't even, there's so many things I didn't know. I didn't know that you had to go at your period and you would phone up and you'd go on a specific day. I didn't know that you had to take these specific injections. I didn't know that you had to do as much of it at home yourself. Um, yeah. And, you know, so much, I mean, and bless you, that recording where you're just like psyching yourself out. No. <laughs> and Tristan's there with a microphone in your face pulling a David Attenborough. I mean, it's hilarious, but it's not. <laughs> I feel so sorry for all the baby monkeys now in the Amazon. I know what it feels like. I'm like, back off. I'm trying to concentrate. It made for a great episode. Oh, it was. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad we documented it. Because it was just like a great part of our lives. A weird part, but a great part. Oh, oh my goodness. It was was really fun way to to, to go alongside it. Because it meant that you could like digest everything that had gone on in that week or those few days. Yeah. Instead of just sitting there and living through it, you get to look back at it and think, you know, we've done this, we've done that, and now we're going on to this stage. And it means that we were able to release them afterwards. Um, so I was editing them a few weeks later than we'd recorded them. So I was able to then go back through and see where we'd been. And I then knew where we were at the following stage. So I was hearing all these things that we were yeah. saying and <laughs> things that we were kind of putting bets on us, thinking, oh, we're going to have that many eggs or that many eggs. Yeah. We're this many. You know, I, I knew all of that. So that was quite a nice thing for me as well to, to look back on where we had been and then obviously then where we were at the time that I'd edited it, which was nice. It's so special. It's so special for you, for you two, but also it's going to help so many people. And then I suppose, you know, when the wee one comes along, you've got, you can, I mean, who gets that? Who gets yes. that journey? to kind of share I mean some things Tristan I'm not sure you'd want your child to hear about necessarily mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, perhaps not, but, I mean I, I'm they got played your, your grandma your granny the other day oh my god yeah oh, my um, yeah my granny went to visit my parents and um my mom decided to play her load of the podcasts including the man one <laughs> I was like oh god Valerie I'm so sorry oh that's so wonderful. funny and what was grandma's reaction <laughs> oh my god just, I, just proud. She said she'd learned a lot. She, she said she, she learned. She learned a lot. And she um, didn't know it happened like that. Yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. I don't know how she thought it happened, but there you oh go. Oh my gosh, so great! But it is. It's uh, like a diary entry, yeah, isn't it? Is. It's yeah. so cool to listen back to. Oh, I'm so glad that we did that. I'm so glad because it was a learning curve for us. We didn't understand. To be honest, I still don't. Like, I found the whole thing. I'm not scientific. I'm just like. English history art through and through. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. science wasn't that much jam at school. So Trist was brilliant at digesting it all and then explaining it on the podcast. And genuinely we've been recording episodes and Trist would be like describing something. I'm like, oh that's 
why we did that. I get it now. And then for this little revelation moment, I was like, oh, okay, oh, I understand it now. I was learning with you guys as you were listening. Sure. And you were just going through the motions at the time because you're like, well, this is what we need to do. I won't ask too many questions. I will just do the thing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. There, there's so many things that you go into it and you like you say, you think you have a knowledge of what goes on, right? You you yeah. think, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to do this and I'm going to you know, be you know, two weeks of this. I'm done. But along the way, those two weeks are such an intense learning curve, all these new things. Like, like I say, even from the start, we were having these days where, you know, we were not sure if we'd be starting IVF that month. Mm. You know, we were sitting there and going, yeah. are they going to fit us on? And we were told to start to, to call on the first day of Miranda's period. Now, anyone with endo will know that that's as regular as anything. Like, you can't work out where, where you're coming or going or not. Oh, it was right? a nightmare. And my mum was trying to book time off work, wasn't she, yeah. to help us? And, and I was just like, I don't oh, know, no. it's going to fall within these two weeks. I don't know. Because we live down south and our clinic was in the Midlands. So we would have to you know, uproot our entire life and move it up there. So we were having to call the clinic and say, is there going to be space? We're thinking Miranda will come on on Thursday, Friday. And they were saying, right now, there's not space. But... Because what, what's the, the maximum day. number again? Is it it's cause it's a COVID thing or is it it's just a, I can't remember whether it was a COVID restriction or a bit it's of both. Just, yeah. yeah. So it it works on the day of egg retrieval. So yeah. they they can have as many people on doing the injections at any one time. But the day of egg retrieval, they only have theatre slots for like half a morning, um, and that morning starts at like eight a.m. until like ten. So they have two hours twice a week that they can do egg retrievals. So they're having to to look back and think, okay, these women here are starting on this date. 14 days, 12 days later are these two days here. That's when they would be having their egg retrieval and then we need to try and fit them in there. So it was COVID based because theatre time is restricted at the best of times, but obviously COVID has been another thing to it. Um, But yeah, it's also just how IVF works. And generally what they said before was if you can't get on pre-COVID, if you can't get on a certain cycle, then you're prioritised for your next cycle. Uh, But with COVID, it was just like, we'll we'll do our best. Yeah, that's kind of first served. It's yeah. so easy to miss a month then. It would be so easy to just, and then yeah. you, you feel like psychologically that that's you just having to start all over again and, and just having to go through mm. that. And it, you know, I can't, that must be brutal. I mean, you say about all the couples yeah, that, that lost a lot of their eggs during this time. I can't even fathom that loss. I know, it's desperately sad because if, you, if you're someone that has a low AMH, then by definition, you have fewer eggs than like the average person who's your age so um yeah we 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 were we were against the clock a little bit and we had like all our bags packed like we had everything packed because you know the day that my period was going to start the next morning we were beginning IVF so everything had to be ready and the idea that we could have like all our little bags packed and the the bunny ready to go and all this of course um and then precious I know <laughs> no, very precious. Okay. <laughs> oh, He's got a little sister now. So. Anyway, sorry. This, this isn't a rabbit <laughs> podcast. Um, but yeah, we had all this stuff like packed up and ready to go. Um, and the idea that we could get a call and be like, yeah, sorry, we can't fit you in, and then we'd have to unpack everything and pack mm. it back up again in like four weeks' time was just so oh, so rubbish. IVF was full of all these moments where you were waiting for a phone call to find something yeah. else. So I like I hear my phone ring now and it sends like shivers down my oh, spine. I bet. I'm like, oh god. Because oh. you went the first thing was this, yeah, you know, we, we call them and they have um they have an answer phone message so that they you know if if they miss a call, it goes straight through to there. Um and generally they'll make the calls run through to that so they can document when you've called. Mm-hmm. Um and so obviously you leave messages and you say, right, Miranda started a period, and then you wait, and it can be anything from like half an hour to a day that you're waiting for this yeah. phone call back. 
and I remember I was were you at work I was at work again I was, I was, at work. I was sat at home my phone rang and I I, my heart like stopped oh. I thought is, is this going to be the call saying no uh, and it's almost like you know on X Factor when they're like and the winner is <laughs> and it's a pause oh like they draw it out and they run through all the runners up first oh, and stuff. No. it was like that and I had this moment of waiting I was like oh my god is she gonna say yes she's like yeah okay and then come in tomorrow and I was just I was over the moon I was so excited you, you text me whilst I was at work and again I have to be composed on there but I was like yes presenter or my producer I was like running around and um Dave said he's like I've never seen you with a smile so big on your face <laughs> oh. I was just elated yeah I was so happy I was so relieved oh. no wonder but, just yeah it's amazing I mean I felt like that yeah. <laughs> when I saw <laughs> thanks <laughs> like you think back to it now and it was such a huge part of our lives not even but even before starting IVF this whole time where you're thinking is it isn't it going to happen mm. and then like I say these phone calls that you get so finding out how many eggs you've, you've ended yeah. up with how many eggs they fertilized and every morning we got a call during IVF to update us on how our eggs were doing how the embryos were doing so yeah we were like you know waking up to this phone call every day not knowing what to expect and I mean luckily for us we ended up with a, a pretty good outcome in terms of how many embryos we had oh okay but, so this is the thing if you ever have an AMH test and you get results similar to mine or you know worse like lower numbers please don't panic because people said to me they're like Miranda it's quality over quantity yeah. and I was like shut up you don't understand I have so few eggs this is awful but yeah. they were right and I realize this now they were so so right because it's it's not about how many eggs you retrieve it's not about how many eggs you have all you need is one healthy egg sure. that is what's important the health of the eggs um and so we only managed to retrieve four and you see on instagram like th these women who have hauls of like they were they retrieved 23 eggs and you compare that to your little measly four and you're like oh i failed but then you watch their journey and from 23 eggs retrieved they only managed to create like five embryos and from five embryos they only have one that's viable well all four of our eggs fertilized all four became embryos and all four got to day five and uh three are healthy enough to be transferred and implanted into me so that's i'm, I'm a i just want to give other people hope if they're on a, on a similar um you know we yeah. call it the pilgrimage the ivf pilgrimage if yeah. they're on a similar journey that like try it's so hard but try not to read too much into the numbers and the figures because it's more than that but i think it's very relatable because there's a moment in the podcast where you're very honest about the fact that you like wanted more and you you are just dis you're disappointed i think yeah. that that's you know a very normal reaction but it's so powerful to hear your experience as you say you could have you know like all the eggs in the egg all, the eggs. <laughs> oh, all the eggs in the hen was what i was gonna say i'm like what does that even mean? <laughs> you have all the eggs, you know and they could and they could not take so uh, and there's another lovely moment I want to talk about because obviously um, we're following this journey and uh, you guys have some really happy news to share and the reaction on the podcast that you shared from all the staff in the hospital when you got this job was just so oh. lovely. Like, talking about X Factor, <laughs> that was your studio audience. Like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> like cheering us on. The lights went zhong and then the confetti <laughs> fell from the ceiling. No, I know. We, yeah, they became like a little family. You spend you spend a lot of time with your fertility team. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a real process and there's a lot of like moving parts and different people who are checking up on you and are invested in you. Um, and they just, they really cared and they were so happy when we had good news um and the, yeah they're like a little extended family now I mean our consultant we love him 
we think we're gonna invite him to the wedding yeah, exactly. oh my god yeah we just we just yes. we just adore him he's been so wonderful and so kind and he still checks up on us now and i can't even believe i'm about to say this but we're 16 weeks and one day pregnant today which is a miracle i mean it's a miracle of science but you know it's, oh, it's best. wonderful it, it, when you look at the whole journey from from you know when the ivf started and even back from when we found out your AMH was there with the tubes and with my issues, you know, we we were always feeling very positive, but you never have that tangible thing that you can be positive with. Mm-hmm. And even at the stages where we had, you know, the, the four eggs that then became four embryos and we were like, okay, this is good, but you know, we have to kind of protect ourselves a bit. Yeah. And then having three at the end and then, then, you know, transferring one, having a positive pregnancy test and then getting the heartbeat. Like we never had a moment where we were like I don't know how I'd describe it but we we we, we remained positive throughout mentally and we kept that kind of positivity in the back of our minds obviously it's an element of you that's thinking oh god you know this is our one chance and it's not going to happen yeah but we were we were so just lucky is not the word to use but I guess it, it feels no, like it doesn't it, does it? Feel, it does feel like luck because we we there are so many like things that we had to overcome and so many things that weren't in our favor and so to have a you know to have three embryos at the end from only four eggs that you know two are in the freezer I, I like to say they're on ice they're, they're on ice our little M babies are on ice and then one that's in me which has worked which has turned into yeah, first a, a baby first time you don't often hear about that and I I was talking to um I was talking to Susie who's been on who's been on this podcast oh yeah 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 yeah. she's brilliant yeah she's amazing I was chatting to her about it um and I was saying oh I just you know I feel I feel so lucky and she said yeah but it's your time for some good luck like you know you can you should embrace this it's it's your time I was like that's such a lovely way to put it thank you I'm like yeah maybe I can be happy about this and we're still tentative you know we had a miscarriage at 18 weeks we lost our little girl and so I, I know that things can go wrong. It's like you lose that ignorance is bliss part of pregnancy when you yeah. go through what we went through. Yeah. You know, that that kind of, yeah, blissful naivety is so dead. Um, <laughs> so we're still scared constantly, but everything's pointing in the right direction. Everything, touch wood, all the wood is healthy and positive. And we're trying to enjoy it as best we can. Well, that's the thing. And, and that's the thing that I think would have been an emotional, a big emotional hurdle, I can imagine, you know, allowing yourself to enjoy it. Uh, you know and 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 just appreciate how much it is a miracle you know and it is wonderful and it's it's you know it's just enjoying that moment that that you've got and your your on what you're creating and I don't know like it, it would be easy to be so anxious that you were overthinking everything and of course mm. you're going to have days like that but I am pleased that you're um so positive and and, and enjoying it because it's just beautiful it's lovely and I mean oh, it's just so exciting it's so exciting and I want oh. I just feel like Thank you two you. are going to be so, I mean, you're so, you're clearly meant for it. Do you know what I mean? You're clearly meant to be parents. Oh. <laughs> I say that about Tris, like you were born to be a daddy when you, you just, you just are so good with children. You're wonderful. So you see him with the rabbits and you think, oh. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. He's a great buddy dad. He's going to be a great human being dad yeah hopefully it transfers into fatherhood <laughs> sure. i think rabbits are probably easier to look after than children. oh no i think they're hard i think rabbits are quite hard to look after like they're so a... destructive I I like, the house. yeah they're not gonna do the banisters <laughs> so sorry if i land on the 
I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> I hope not, they're not listening. We're not getting our deposit back. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye deposit. Yeah. Hey, hopefully your children don't like chew through the furniture. That would be quite. Yeah. Something's <laughs> <laughs> not seriously wrong if that happens. <laughs> oh, imagine. Uh, no, guys, I just got to say thank you so so much for for being so open and so honest and coming on and chatting to me. I just loved it because, like I say, I just feel like I know you guys so well, and it's just so wonderful to actually sit down and have a chat. Um, I just think what you're doing is brilliant and please, please, please give all the plugs tell everyone where to go and listen to Test Your Baby and follow your journey and please do what you do at the end of your podcast where you tell everyone love you as well because just oh love you back <laughs> well firstly just thank you so much for having us it's been the most like wonderful chat honestly i think i mean i don't want to put words in your mouth Tris, but i'm loving it i'm having a great time all the fun. yeah all the fun. All the fun. um so yeah if you want to follow us you can find us both on instagram so i'm miranda.burns i am tristan.hall and um, you've got into podcast <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. and, and oh, this is not. no and, 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 no, it's not it's not testy boots not testy boots and test tube baby pod pod, pod podcast. podcast and you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, itunes amazon music like wherever you get your podcast basically yeah wherever you get your podcast um and yeah, I guess if if Katie wants us to say it, we will say it. Please, please, just for me. <laughs> no, I'm just go. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much to Miranda and Tristan. Incredible guests. I'm sure you'll agree. Incredible people. Uh, make sure you follow them and, of course, keep updated with their IVF journey by listening to Test Tube Baby podcast. That's all for me this month. Remember to follow us on socials too. We are Endosilent Scotland on Instagram. I'm Katie J. Joe, Katie with a Y. And as ever, get in touch if you have any suggestions or feedback for future episodes. My email address is overreactingpod at gmail.com.